From the Library of Maria Menounos, this is Book Circle Online, featuring in-depth discussion, insight, news, and commentary on all the world's leading book titles and their authors. And now, Book Circle Online. Hey everybody, it's Book Circle Online. I'm Jeffrey Masters, and I'm here today with Wally Rudolph, who just released his debut novel, Four Corners. Thank you for being here. Thank you, Jeff, for having me. Absolutely, I really enjoyed it. Oh, thank you. Yeah, thank you very course. much. I, thank you. That's, that's <laughs> I, I love hearing that. Yeah, oh, you're welcome. So most of our viewers will recognize you from Sons of Anarchy as Walter Wong. Mm-hmm. Um, why the pen name? I think, um, to be honest, I think it was a chance to have a little bit of a fresh start. Um, okay. Rudolph's my middle name. There what there was a bit little bit of naivete uh involved in it. I uh wrote I, I finished that book about uh it's been about six, seven years ago now. So really? it was a, yeah, I was in a little bit of a different space from when I started. I think, you know, um it was a kinda like uh why not? I'd love to have a pen name. But then as I got deeper into it, um and as my, my publication credits increased, I think there was a chance to you know write work on my own terms and have it something that's really uh separate from my acting career acting's my day job i take it i take it very seriously but at the same time i wanted you know it's it's almost like uh putting on a superhero outfit and getting to you know get out get outside of myself and and um do just work on my own terms like that totally so it was your choice not like the publisher no not at all not at all i got it uh i know i've been publishing under that name for a while now oh funny yeah yeah yeah. so what was the six-year gap why the oh it just takes i mean i think there's a lot of fiction it's hard to get fiction published nowadays oh so you finished it and then was trying to get it published yeah i think it wasn't it i think i finished it it's not like that that's an untouched draft by any means it took me it took me a year um it's my first real solid swing at a at a on novel manuscript it took me about a solid year to get the first manuscript done but realistically if uh you're looking at a all together off and on you're looking at probably about three years three and a half years of work that to get the novel there that you see you know but the um i think back to the naivete i thought it was gonna take three years i was i was sure i was like three years solid i'm gonna be looking at my book on the shelf uh but there's realities of the publishing industry finding the right fit um and yeah, it did take a little bit longer than I'd like, but at the same time, like they say, and I hate when people say it, everything happens for a reason. But landing with Dan Smetanka and over at Soft Skull, I couldn't ask for a better fit. Um, I had some close calls with other publishers, and I'm glad that I landed where I landed because uh, as a as a writer editor relationship, I feel like I just landed at the exact person I needed to land. Oh, with. amazing. Yeah. And yeah. this kind of coincided with Sons of Anarchy. Did that yes. help push it into like the world? Like, um, print? I think yes and no. I, I, I don't think as much. I, um, the work, um, you probably have to ask Dan that. I don't think yeah. as much, you know, I think it'd be one thing if I was writing straight ahead genre fiction. I'm, my my work tends to lean heavily towards the literary side. Okay. So um, it's not. Um, I don't think there's the the there's that much crossover. There's a little bit of crossover, but I don't think there's that much crossover necessarily that the um, fans of Sons of Anarchy gotcha are automatically gonna be dying to read a a, a book like mine. There's um 
you know, they're, they are, they're both gritty characters involved in both, but I think mine's a is fairly different as far as the approach and stance to the uh, subject matter. Yeah. And speaking of like genre, like what category almost do you think this fits in? That's the, you know, if anything, that's really the question because that's what me and my, uh, agent, Amy Tipton, we went back and forth for a long time. When it's all said and done, I think what gives me a lot of, uh, makes me really happy as a writer and for the work that, uh, was put in through the draft in, uh, in the subsequent drafts uh, after the initial manuscript is that it's kind of all over the place. People are having, you know, the goal with Frank, with the protagonist was to have an everyman kind of character and everyman connection to him. That's, that's the goal in a lot of my work, um, is, can I get you to take the hand of this character uh, at the beginning of the novel and go on this journey with him that very likely, if you met a person like him in reality, you wouldn't want anything to do with him. Right. I say that because I think when people are reading it, different people are having very different reactions to it, which makes me really excited because they're having a, it's a really, it's a, re, they're having a real catharsis and a visceral reaction to it in connecting with him. Um, Crime writers, fans of crime fiction, it's leaning probably, if you were to have to, is literary crime fiction. You know, there's writers out there uh, doing similar stuff like Frank Bill. Yeah. Um, who's doing similar work. Um, and, he, you know, you're they're going to see that. I've got, you know, um, people who've read it that are more on the literary side that are firmly they're, they're they're putting me in class with over closer on the Daniel Woodrell side of more on the literary side. Um, which is always, you know, I getting compared to either of them is really nice. And then people who are looking at the language are looking at it and saying like, have you, you know, have you thought about your work being compared to Bukowski and, and, and other, uh, and, um, Hunter S. Thompson and stuff because of the explicit, uh, drug use and stuff. Yeah. That makes me know that, that I'm doing my job. Totally. That, I, that, I, that, that the work succeed in what I wanted it to do because it's not, um, I don't want to say that I don't want to, I don't want to be pigeonholed, but at the same time, I'm hoping there's a bigger story there than just a, a classic crime story. Yeah. And, and there's a bigger story there compared to a classic literary story. I'm trying to do a, a little bit something different with the work. And yeah, and the language was explicit, but it was also very like poetic also. Was that to like try to soften the events and situation or is that just a kind of like who you are as a writer? I think it's, you know, the, the way the language is working um in the book is the way i write you know that being said um what i'm trying to do uh, you know my approach if i you know if I, i have one is i'm really trying to compound you know i'm trying to compound imagery much more similar to a poet than to um if you're looking at a uh instead of trying to do a step by step exposition of a scene like a fiction writer The use of the imagery, the use of the language, you know, I'm, I'm a big, huge fan, um, of the Southern literary tradition, um, and what Barry Hanna was doing with his work, where you really, you know, I'm trying to take, um, the music of the language, compound it with the imagery and dramatics of the situation, and put in the, and also add in that last ingredient of the truth of the character and the truth of these situations. And if I can hit those all at the, at the right time, then a really, I think a really magical thing happens for the reader where you're getting to, 
there's much more visceral reaction. That's the reaction. And, and, you know, I say this and it's completely subjective, but that's what I got when, when I read Barry Hanna, when I read Dennis Johnson, when I read some of my favorite writers, those are the, those are those moments that, you know, that send chills down your spine. I don't know if I achieve that, but that's what I, you know, I strive for in my work because I think that's using, using, all your instruments as a writer, all yeah. the craft as a writer, you know, that's the way I was groomed. Yeah. I mean, for... I'm not like a jumpy person, but reading the scene where he was like cutting himself, yeah. it was, it was kind of hard to read, but it was also like very like beautifully kind of described. And you're not, I'm not used to that for these kind of like situations to, for it to be like beautifully described, you know? Yeah. You know, there's, you go back to just, what is it? The stories we tell ourselves about ourselves. Yeah. There's, um, and that's where I think art and poetry comes in, and that's where literature comes in. And, you know, we're in this time right now where content, when you, when we're talking about content, it gets, that's a huge umbrella. It's, it's, it envelops, not right now in this moment, envelops TV and film, it envelops literature, envelops, um, web postings. If there's something to set, literature apart it would be the use of language and the embod and and um the way language is used in it as compared to the way it's used in tv and film um and i think that that's what makes it special and that's what i like that's what i like to read you know that's yeah. and i don't um i love i love it like we were just talking before i love i love reading quick page turners and, and um and those type of really, uh, you know, enter- where entertainment and, and or the plot is front and center. But I like when it does it all for me. That I'm getting to really, um, my I'm I'm reading not only uh visually but orally. You know, a u r a l l y orally like that. You know, and that's um that's really exciting for me as an artist and as a writer. Totally. So where do these story of Frank and like these events come from? Well. This, you know, I like to say um, there's a lot of me and Frank. There's not a lot of Frank and me. You know, <laughs> there's, you know, yeah. Maddie and Frank, whose troubled relationship, the two pro- pro- protagonists whose relationship is at the heart of the story. They're living in the same Santa Fe, New Mexico that I lived in. You know, they buy their booze at the same place. They're copping their cocaine from the same kind of dealers off of Canyon Road. They're um, even eating the same horrible gas station burritos that I ate. That being said... Um, I think, you know, when I started the book, uh, and I got deeper and deeper into it, I realized that it was a real, I was writing it as much to find out what happened to Maddie and Frank as, as much as I was writing to memorialize a real, uh, uh, that whole period of my life in, in New Mexico. No, I wasn't out there doing, uh, uh, felony crimes, but I was spending, um, I was really struggling with addiction at that time. I was uh, taking a lot of drugs. Uh, I was, and I think for anybody that spent time in the Southwest, especially in New Mexico and, uh, and that whole high desert mountain region, it's a really unique, really unique, um, part of the country, you know, and it's got its, and to have that be the backdrop, I, I, I think, uh, the deeper I got into the book, I just realized, you know, I was writing as much to visit those places and be be with those kind of characters because there's some characters out there. There's some characters out in the desert and yeah. that you don't meet anywhere else. 
So it's almost easier to like be honest with the word fiction stamped on the back. Yeah, I think. I mean, it's it's dramatized. You know, it's it's built. The you know the book is it, it's um back to what you're asking earlier about genre. I mean, the spine of it is you know I was conscious of the fact of um arcing arcing the story th- clo- uh, closer on the thriller side. So it was so it's in a compelling. It's a compelling piece of work, you know. Yeah, and there was like a very strong pace to it. Yeah, 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 yeah. I didn't, um, you know. And earlier on, it was much more. There was definitely moments of there it was much more, you know, expansive and meditative. And you know, that's what the editing process is for: is bearing it down, bearing it down to get it to where it is now. Where yeah. it's kind of ba- doing this balancing act back and forth. So, yeah, it's a, uh, it's what there's, you know, there's. <laughs> There's some characters in there that uh, are, are are right out of real life, and there's some characters that are not remotely out of real life. I think um, my goal overall was to paint a portrait, an unsentimental portrait of addiction with compassion. And by that, I mean um, that I wanted to show you what it's like, uh, what what I hadn't seen or what ha- I hadn't read was, you know, when you're really when you're really dealing with with you spend some time with characters at the bottom. I think addiction gets uh, dramatized. Uh, I get. I think it gets romanticized. There's a lot of and. But when you're down there and you're really spending some time with some folks at the bottom, some real desperate folks, it's a, there's a different feel to it, and it, there's there's definitely reality. So I wanted it to have that that element to it that it was that Frank operates in the real world, that Frank operates in this world, and I. His morals and his ethics are very much in question, and yeah. that's. But the, you get those moments of juxtaposition where you're just like, "This, you know, I'm holding this guy's hand, but this guy is way out of control." And he has those moments where it, the reality, the reality that you and I live in, come in that he doesn't get to jump through. You know, he doesn't get superpowers on PCP and jump yeah. through a window and land. No, if he hits somebody, somebody they call the cops. Yeah. I mean, you know, I thought it was so fascinating because I, I couldn't figure him out. He, at one point, is, like, the most charming person ever, talking about, like, no one's a Christian before they get yeah, their morning coffee. Yeah. And then he can't keep his mouth shut in prison. Yeah. And I'm yeah. like, ah, oh, come on, guy. Yeah, it's, I I mean, I and I think when I go back to paint, painting a unsentimental portrait of addiction, his behavior, I think, from my experience, is from what I've seen in, with my experience with it, and and uh, with folks I've I've been with. There, it's they operate uh, the 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 you know, drugs and alcohol have a nasty way of. I was thinking about it this morning. It's almost like you're putting a jar. And you really think that this jar is the real world, and when and it takes so much time. When someone, when a, whether it's hitting bottom, whether it's having a moment of where reality steps in, whether, and majority of the time it's either in, in a, you know, a crisis, unfortunately, whether it be with your family or friends or your immediate, uh, your immediate, uh, group or the law steps in, which happens a lot where they kind of crack that jar and say, you thought that this was your world. But this is not. This is this is the world that we're working in, where there yeah. are laws and there are consequences for your actions, and all. And um, it's, you know, I think about it a lot. I try not to romanticize it because I think that that is that. If anything, as a writer and as an artist, I think that that's a dangerous thing to do. Okay. Um, 
I don't. Yes, there are characters that, but you, there's a there's a come up in there's always a come up in for that, and um, you know, it only you there's a, the addiction doesn't ever plateau. It's always steadily, whether it's going quickly or slowly. It's always getting worse and worsening your life. You know. And going off like the jar metaphor, did you have a big moment in your life that like cracked the jar for you? I had reached a point that I felt, uh, yeah, I think there were several, oh, there really? were several over a long period of time and it, um, I didn't achieve my sobriety through classic 12 step, although I'm a huge fan of the NA and AA programs. I think 12 steps are incredible programs and there's a reason they're so popular. I achieved mine through a long, long, uh, period of therapy and yeah, I did. I hit my bottom, you know, several times and it was a point that I was, I felt out of completely out of control. I wasn't trusting my own thoughts and, um, and that was being, I was aware enough that I couldn't trust, I wasn't trusting my own thoughts, but at the same time, no idea how to change it. It was a really horrible time. It felt, it really it was maddening. I felt like I was going crazy. I couldn't, my emotions, I was aware enough to know that my emotions weren't making sense. Um, um, and I wanted to do things that, and, um, that were not rational. And that was when the point where I was like, I got to do something here because this isn't going, this, this is going to one place where, uh, um, I'm getting close to really acting out here and doing something I'm really, really going to regret. And yeah, it took me a while. It took me a while to kind of get sober after I started therapy, but eventually, you know, I, I, I reached, I reached a place. Wow. And were you writing during that whole time? No, I think it didn't. The writing didn't start till later into probably about halfway through my therapy. I've been writing since I studied writing and acting in college, uh, I studied with, I was very lucky to study with Jack Butler and, uh, Greg, Greg Glazner at the, uh, former college of Santa Fe, two great, um, uh, creative writing professors. I was really lucky to study with them and I'd been writing since college and acting, but I think I had early success in acting. So I kind of went that way. The pay sure. is better. And to be completely honest, my work wasn't ready. You know, it wasn't until my, uh, um, just craft wise, it was what I was writing about was what all kids in their mid twenties are writing about, which isn't much. Sure. <laughs> you know, it's a lot of, a lot of navel gazing and, and such like that and stuff that I thought was important wasn't, uh, um, when I, I did, uh, I did a, a collection of sh short stories I wrote on um, pieces. I did a, uh, got accepted in Ford Theater Foundation in like 2007, I think. And then from there, I think I recognized, I was like, my, it's finally starting to, my work's finally starting to do something on the page. And I was getting excited. I was, you know, I think about a, excuse me, about a year, year after that, I started sketching on, on four corners and, and, uh, eventually decided to, you know, I'm going to try to go for it and, and, and try to do a full novel. Wow. So what was the line for you between like writing for catharsis versus like writing for the like intent of being like published, like a complete work? Um, I think, you know, I, I think there was first, uh, um, there was the wanting to do the challenge of it was very, uh, I like, um, I, I really love our artistic challenges and okay. I felt like that it was the challenge of it was really exciting to me and really attractive when I got that being said after that initial, cause that wore off very quickly and being like, wow, this is really, this is really hard. It's an undertaking. Yeah. yeah. It's a real <laughs> undertaking and there's, um, it's such a, um, 
it's such a wild ride. It's I compared it uh, recently to ha- kind of having this a phantom limb in the sense that, he, you know, when you're really deep into it, this thing is the work itself, the piece itself is such an extension of you, and you're having this huge relationship with this thing, but no one else can see it, and you don't, you know, um, and even once it's done, you still no one else is seeing it, you know, and and yeah. it's like trying to. Ex- and you feel, and you're, it's so very much in your present, uh, constantly, but at the same time, um, you can't relate it to anyone. Whatever the story is, you know, I'm, I'm sure nonfiction writers have the same thing. It's just the, the, the scale of it's rather large. Um, it was, but one, I, I think once I got, uh, about halfway through, the other side of it is I was really taking to it and I was really, um, I don't want to say good at it, but I was, it, yes, it was challenging, but I was enjoying it immensely enough to keep me to keep me going and being like, yeah, this is you know, I really, really enjoy this whole process, um, and a lot of coffee, <laughs> a lot, insane amounts of coffee. Just get drinking coffee, and I'm just sick to my stomach. All the horrible, all the thi- acid, <laughs> yeah, just. <laughs> Horror, just lots and lots and lots of coffee. So that's your big recommendation for early yeah, writers. Yeah, you drink. <laughs> you, you, I'm, and I'm not talking just like people is like, I get up at four o'clock in the morning and I drink a pot. I'm no, that's, that's, I'm saying go hard. <laughs> get into that second, the good stuff starts happening right around that two and a half pot, that second, like two and a half pots, then some real magic starts coming. And then you're, the rest of your day is ruined. Yeah. A lot of <laughs> authors have told me, a lot of authors have told me about like the like isolating experience of writing a book and they either like cure it with caffeine, alcohol, or just sugar. Yeah. I think they're, yeah. I, <laughs> like you just know, binging on one. Yeah. You know, I think what it Stephen King even said, you know, I was smoking at the time and you know that whole little speedball you get going between coffee and cigarettes with the stimulant and then the then and then the nicotine and you're just like Ugh. and you're just what? oh I I uh yeah I think it's I think it's you know isolating to an extent I think you get you get so uh, it's for lack of a better term it gets it's masturbatory it reminds me from my aster from my from my uh, acting experience it's very I'm like oh I you recognize this feeling it's you're so much into your own process yeah. at that point and you're there's a lot of you know you're having a great time by yourself <laughs> you know I don't think writers writers don't want don't want to say it but they are you you know you're sitting there and you're like man this is great you know this is yeah. great yeah. As an actor, you know how some actors like can't drop their character off. Like when yeah. they say cut, do you stay in this world when you've like stopped writing? Like and while you were writing the book? Um, that's a really great question. I had been out of it for a while. Um, short of um when when uh Dan Smetanka uh and Sofska when they decided to acquire the manuscript, I had to step back into it, and I had been out of it for a while. Um, I had been working on other work, been working on another book, um, working on short fiction. And, um, you know, this is, as you've noted, it's a stylized book. Yeah. So stepping back into it, uh, uh, some of my other fiction can be a little bit more straightforward. It's still, it's very, it's very similar. It's, you know, you'd recognize it's done by the same writer, but this is a really stylized book. So stepping back into it, I, that was, it was, I had a, a few weeks where I was like, wow, this is really, this is a really interesting experience because I had been away from it for well over, I had sp- consciously been like, I'm not going to look at yeah. it. 
That's a powerful experience, though, to go back to a work and still like it. Yeah, I had liked it for different reasons. Yeah, and I was at you know the edit came a lot better because of that because I was had had t- spent some time with it. Yeah, uh, I hate reading like early stuff of mine, and I'm like, oh, this is the best thing ever, and I'm like, oh, it's not actually. <laughs> no, the best thing you can do, I don't know who said the best thing, write fast and put that in the drawer and walk away for a long, long yeah. time because that becomes the, I mean, the the inability to get fresh eyes on stuff. That's a real challenge for me, when, especially oh, really? in the editing process is just getting fresh eyes and be able to look at look at the work and 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 just analyze it as the work and 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 not it that you know get get a step away from the, just the emotional investment yeah. you have in it we've talked about like the violence and the language and the sex um and i think it's like authentic to the story but was there ever a discussion with the publisher to tone it down for like marketing purposes there's a few there we had a few discussions and we had some battles um over specific scenes um when it cut the, when it comes to the both the violence and the sex, because there there's a lot in both of them. There what though we we had long discussions about specific scenes about how far we were willing to go. Yeah. That being said, I'm really happy where we arrived. I think when it comes to um, the violence, I think it's true to the character. Yeah. Um. Um. If it's over the top, it's supposed to be over the top. Um, and I got that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he's going for such like good intentions in the beginning and then he blows the guy's ear off and you're like, yeah. oh, this book's different. That's yeah. Yeah. He's a, uh, he, and I think that that goes back to the rationality of addiction that you're not dealing with a, with a, somebody that's completely in control of their faculties. Um, and having them be your, your guide through yeah. it. Um, but then, and then as it comes to the sex, I think, um, I wanted to. I wanted to write. I didn't want to shy away from it. I wanted the sex to ring true. I wanted the se- and I think. Um, and I didn't want it to be. Um, I wanted to walk that line. Try. Try. I, I was willing to take the line of trying to walk that balance of it. Um, being. Um, taking it right up there, but because I think that sometimes. It, I wanted it. Uh, you gotta, especially with a book like this, you gotta think of it in terms of contrast. You're not gonna, you're not gonna, I was aware of the fact, you're not gonna be able to appreciate the moments when Frank is opening, literally opening his heart to you. If you don't see the other side of it, the other, ba- it's yin and yang, you know, yeah. the balance of it, and you see where he is at, um, sexually, and I, and I, and, um, his, um, I, yeah, I think it get, sex can get glossed over a lot, and it's, I mean, it's there. We don't need right. to look at the, look at the internet. I mean, go look it up on Google and what what percent of the internet traffic? It's forefront. It's forefront in everyone's mind. And I yeah. think as a writer, I was just like, you know, I wanted this to. I don't want to shy. We're all adults here. This right. isn't for kids. I never. I make no assumption that uh, you know. Hand this to your fourteen-year-old and get yeah. out the door, son, and learn about life with it. It's not that book, right? <laughs> I hope not. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's, if there's a fourteen-year-old kid out there, thanks for buying the book. I mean, you kids have they read this? <laughs> no, 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 not a moment. Right. No, not yeah. even. Go ahead. Um, sorry, you have a daughter, is that correct? No, or? I have a son. A I have son. a son. Yeah, yeah. There's he's... so many strong like f- parent relationships in this. It's like a big theme. Has does your son know about your? I don't want to say past, but like your early life and addiction. No, he's only two. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, no, it's fine. So I guess that's a big no. No, but that's a really good question in the sense of you know here we are uh, talking about it and um I had to be conscious of it um uh. 
uh, of like doing an interview like this. Oh, what, yeah. what, you know, or, or what I'm putting out there about myself. I got a son. Everything's now with the internet. Everything's forever, you know? Yeah. You know, if this, you guys delete your channel on YouTube, this is going to come up somewhere else. Um, and I think I have to, I, I'd be lying if I said, if I didn't say I was conscious of that. That being said, um, looking back from my own experience with my own parents, the stuff they didn't want me to know, they, I figured out anyway. Right. You know what I mean? There's that level of it. You cut, you get to an age and I'm, uh, I, I'm comfortable, uh, with, um, where I reached, uh, what, what I've done with my life, uh, both the good and the bad. And, um, I'm comfortable with him knowing that because, you know, I remember, you know, you remember when you're little and you can barely, you know, see over the countertop. You remember your parents having those, those conversations. They're trying to wish, and you see your dad walk away all mad or your mom's like cooking in the cooking rather angrily in the kitchen. Yeah. yeah. You know, and you're like, well, this, what it was that in retrospect, how much can you, you, you know, there's so, kids are so observant. That's yeah. the first thing you notice when having a child. You're like, they're so observant. And, you know, I'm I'm uh, I, I'm 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 landing on the side of transparency and just being forthcoming. I think it, when you try to hide stuff, um, that in itself, that act in itself of trying to control, it, you're not gonna. That being said, I'm not gonna be handing this book to him or be like, yeah, yeah you know. But I'm conscious of it. You yeah, know? it's not like you can change it. Yeah, like exactly, it exactly, exactly. And I think that's where you get. That's where, you know, when you talk back to the book is you hear the shame in Frank's voice. Shame can be more crippling than anything else and can be more damaging to anybody. Um, when you're dealing, um, uh, it, it's, it's a distri- it can, it's a straight up destructive force in people's lives. And I think that I'm conscious of that, you know, I'm conscious of that. And I feel bad for people that experience that, that on any level, whether it's addiction, sexuality, yeah. there's so, you know what I mean? People walking around. And carrying that, and I've been there, and it's the worst. It's the worst. It feels like it feels like you got a you got you ate a uh, um you ate a glass bottle, and your just stomach guts are just messed up all the time. You know what I mean? It's a, it's a horrible feeling to have. Yeah, I was really surprised by like a lot of the religious references. Do you consider Frank to be a religious character? I think, you know, if you ask me when I when I started this book or even in my 20s, how I felt about religion and faith, I'd give you like some long diatribe that was, you know, inspired by many LSD trips about how there's no God and we all experience the vibration of the world and it's this great, this great ride. And as I gotten older, I was raised Catholic. Yeah. For better or for worse, I'm not a practicing Catholic, although I dig what the, the new Pope is, has, has been doing, what he represents in any case. I, um, my faith, I, my faith has been defined by that. I could, I could over intellectualize it, but you know, the, there's a million, uh, sayings and cliches. There's no, there's no, uh, non-believer. There's no atheist in a foxhole. You know, I think the, increasingly nowadays, I think you gotta have faith to step out the door with what goes on in the world with random shootings. To leave the door, there's a certain level of faith. I mean, that you have to step out and be like, I'm giving it up. You don't have to call it God or whatever. And, um, I think that that is, if there's, if there's a religious figure, man, I prayed to God a bunch 
When I said I was, when, when I was having intellectual liberal discussions with my friends on the porch drunk off my ass, I was, you, you don't know about what the dogma of the Catholic religion, all that stuff, you know. When I had, was at my worst and my heart felt like it was going to explode because I'd done too many bumps of cocaine, I wasn't praying to Ricky Gervais and his, his interpretation of atheism. I was like, God, I, I don't want to die. Yeah. And I think that there's, um, there's some sobering realities. I think faith in acts and the way we interact with faith, um, is so important. I think it's what makes us human. I think it's what connects us. I think, um, you can try to over intellectualize it. But like I said, as I get older, I increasingly think it's something that you have to literally be able to afford. So it's been like a very slow, like changing thought system for you yeah i think so and it's something i think i had to come to terms with do you call it god or do you call it a different i call it god i quit the amount of energy i was spending trying to (laughs) not (laughs) not call it god you know what i mean like i was spending so much energy i'm sorry you put you know if you put me into a church i feel reverence i feel grace i i will uh if i'm in a catholic church and it's quiet as much as i hate so much of that stuff and whether or not i've been brainwashed in the moment what i get out of that moment is so much more valuable to me than the than the the over intellectualization of me trying to deny it i need that a lot of us need that. It's fine. You don't have, it doesn't, you can change it every day, whatever day you want, any day of the week. It doesn't matter. I think we try to put this label on it and you try, you know, especially nowadays, everyone's so polarized where so they put you, if you believe in this God, then you automatically are in this column. Right. You need it, like a slick label. Yeah. And it's yeah. not, I think in actuality, it ain't like that. Everybody has their own relationship with God. Um, um, and, however it may be and like i said i think um after seeing my dad wasn't a particularly religious person but i saw him uh uh go through the process of dying he had his moment where there is a lot to be taken away from faith and i think if there's any one lesson that a lot of the bet you know the best of them uh teach or promote is humility and that is I mean, that's the one, man. You learn humility, uh, whether you like it or not, you're going to learn it that we, you know, we're all here, um, uh, under, for, for, but the grace of God. Anything can happen. And it's hard, you know, you get older, you get cheesy, but you see the damn shootings and everything, and you're just like, man, when, who knows nowadays? Who knows how it all works out, you know? Yeah. Like, for, for anybody to sit there and be like, it does you no good and, you're just being pacified by the, it's like, yeah, but you know what? It does you no good if you step out the door and some crazy ass, <laughs> what's it to you, man? Yeah. Like, you know, what's it to you? Was this like a strong faith that was able to get you like clean and stay clean? Was that like a big part of it or not really then? Not really then. Okay. I think it was, um, I think it was that, that, that ultimate lesson of humility. That it started there and stayed there for a little, and I was happy for it to stay there. Wow. Where it's just, you know, learning that lesson that the world doesn't revolve around me. I, the, the art is, the art is, uh, that the, you know, as it, as it relates to, um, to the art is that the art is the art and the work is the art. 
I am, uh, I am lucky enough to be the vessel for it and that I'm lucky enough to have the chance to pursue it. I am lucky enough to have, to be able to afford to pursue it. We all have vibrant inner creative lives. Not everybody gets to, uh, gets to, uh, gets the chance to explore them and the work will continue. I mean, that's what is so wonderful about art. You know, if I didn't write this book, I, I, everybody sits back and you, when you have those moments and you're like, Hey, and I thought of that. That's what's so crazy about art and how art, the, the, you know, what connects us is if I didn't write this book, I guarantee someone had gotten pretty close to writing some pretty similar that I've been like, man, they yeah. took my idea, but that's what's so wild about yeah, it. Yeah. And I don't want to make it sound like not special, but I agree. Yeah. Like with everything. Yeah. Yeah. I totally, I think that that's what, and if it's that first lesson, whereas early on, I took it for granted as an actor. I took it for granted having the audiences there. As a writer, I thought what I wrote was the bee's knees and I wanted to be like, check this out. <laughs> but yeah. it, uh, after I learned that lesson as being like, this is when it comes to this book was what well, back to your very first question, you know, how much of it's autobiographical and uh, <clears throat> autobiographical, excuse me. Yeah, to some extent, yeah. But at the same time, when I got into it, I was just like, this is Frank's story. This is Maddie's story. This is their story. Um, I'm coloring in the lines, but this is a story that, um, this character has, is, is, you know, I'm lucky enough to gonna tell a story and I can shape it here and there, but it's, it's their story. If I'm gonna be honest about it, you know, if I'm gonna be, be truthful to this character. So it's, 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 it was, uh, yeah, it's an, an experience, and I think they uh, complement each other in a lot of ways, but in, in other ways, you know. Yeah. No, Frank was fascinating. What? Tell me, his name was Frank Bruce. It's yeah. very, like, ethnically ambiguous. Was yes. he Mexican? Did they? Well. Learn? I thought they were, like, I'll, leave, I'll, leave, I'll leave, leave that. <laughs> I'll leave that to I'll leave that to the readers. Okay. I'll leave that open-ended. So we're not saying. <laughs> yeah, we'll, okay. leave that, we'll leave that open-ended. They were, like, hints, but I was like, that could go either way. Well, I think okay. that goes back to the everyman character. Awesome. Um, I'm also aware being a writer of color and being an artist of color that, that I think at first glance, uh, you, 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 I, the, what is it? When we were talking about the audio book, when we were, we were talking about yeah. the audio book for this, I didn't want him to be a grizzled, the grizzled noir character smoking a cigarette that he's not that guy. With the he's assumptions a, that come with it. Cause he's not. Yeah. And people aren't. And, um, I would, but I wanted him to have enough of those qualities that the archetype was there that you could, from the get go, kind of place him. Okay. I kind of know who this character is, but as the book opens up, you realize, no, this guy actually has a really, uh, crazy interior life. Yeah. So is that why you kind of like didn't ever describe him physically? Yeah. There's, 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 there's some hard, there's some, some big hints, but, Okay. It, it's um to keep him, to keep him uh in the ether. Totally. Little. Yeah. And do you have any desire to like write a memoir or not really? In your um, I'm playing with the idea. Okay. I'm playing with the idea of writing my family's memoir um okay. for my mother's um because they had such an experience um immigrating from the Caribbean. My mother was born in Trinidad. My dad, oh. my father was born in Jamaica. They left during uh, the political upheaval of the 70s, and it's quite a story. I'm playing with the idea, um, but also I am be I'm trying to be realistic of where my uh, strengths lie. Oh, 
Um, my strengths lie. I, I write. I, I enjoy, and I'm good at writing fiction. I th- I haven't ever taken on a piece of nonfiction of that scale, and it's a little bit intimidating. Um, I, uh, but uh, right now, fit you know, fiction's my wheelhouse. Totally. And so, yeah. what is your next book about? My next book is uh, as much as this is a meditation on the Southwest. The next book ha- is, occurs in Chicago. Okay. And it's a very much. Um, it's it's gritty it's it's gritty people doing gritty things uh, <laughs> it's kind of about a the war of two families okay um over uh some generations and they kind of get wrapped up within each other um but it uh you know i try to bring bring the city to life but uh, also i'm keenly aware that's stepping into like there's some serious uh, there's been serious uh literary depictions of chicago but i was just trying to before i moved out here i lived in chicago for a little bit and i wanted to try to do uh kind of spin a tale inside the chicago i lived in oh awesome are, yeah. and are you a screenwriter at all no i oh, have really? i've written i've written uh screenplays i um I've had one option. I've done. I worked on a television. I worked on a. I've written an episode of Smallville. I've done script oh. con, script consultation and stuff. I can do it, and yeah. I and I enjoy it. It's a different muscle. Okay, because uh, I just I love the dialogue. Like in the conversation driving to Santa Fe, talking about like the puzzle pieces. It's it has like a strong voice that I just don't hear a lot. Yeah, I would try. Um, you know, I think we're gonna see. I. When I sit down to write, I don't think in terms of screenplays. I definitely, you know, it's in my wheelhouse when I yeah. can do it. But I'm not one of those people that, like, have my laptop open all the time and are working on a yeah. screenplay. I'm more than likely working on a piece of fiction, if anything, a piece of literary fiction. Um, but, you know, never say never. You know what totally. I mean? Never say never. And uh, um, I lo- I. If anything, the dialogue, if you're seeing, you're seeing Sam Shepard, you're seeing David Mamet, you're yeah. seeing some of my favorite, uh, playwrights in there, um, and, you know, screenwriters too, but, but those guys have such a heavy influence on, on, um, my experience of dialogue. Oh, I see the Sam Shepard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He is, uh, he's kind of, he's kind oh, wow. of top of the top of the list of, 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 of what I, you know, what I strive for. No. Very cool. Yeah. So what else is coming up for you? Right now, right now I'm in the throes of promotions for the novel. Okay. Uh, I'm starting, um, and then we're going to see about the second book. I'm, I'm starting research on my third book right now. Um, and my second book's already done. You know, we have to go through editing through that. And then the third book, I'm, I'm dying to get started on it, but I think realistically I'm, I'm kind of just focused on four corners, getting it out there, trying to get the word out about it. And totally. Yeah. And enjoy it. I'm really, trying to enjoy it because it's that's the really important part of the process enjoying this this right here stuff like this. absolutely all right well thank you for being here this was so much fun yeah thank you so much yeah, man. awesome yeah all right everybody we will see you next week thank you all right from managing editor jason squamata executive producers maria menounos phil svitek and kevin undergaro we would like to thank you for tuning in to book circle online for more discussion go to bookcircleonline.com And if you have comments, questions, or book title suggestions, write us at info at bookcircleonline.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this is Book Circle Online. BCO, join the circle.